are in the 12th week of our sermon series in the book of Mark. And uh, we, if you're new here, that's the way we do it. We preach through the Bible. So we preach through the uh, book of the Bible at a time. So we started in Mark back 12 sermons ago, and we are still in Mark. And we will be in Mark for a while because we are only in chapter 4. And uh, I'm buzzing up here or something. I'm only in chapter 4, and, um, and we'll be here for a little bit. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. The title of today's sermon is a pedology lesson with Jesus. Any pedologists in the house? I didn't think so. All right, cool. Uh, a pedology lesson with Jesus. Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, great. If you don't, maybe you have an app. If you don't have either, the verses will be on the screen for your convenience this morning. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1 says, And again he began to teach by the sea. By the way, that was Jesus' mission. We've learned this so far in the book of Mark. It was to teach and to preach. It was not necessarily to perform miracles. He came for his message. And then the miracles were a byproduct. But he, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, remember Jesus planned for this. You remember he said, hey, get a boat and get the boat ready because I may have to step out into the boat because of the crowds of people. Verse 2, then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he, Jesus, verse 9, said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, these are his twelve and his followers, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He's basically saying this parable is important. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, verse 20. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. 
Jesus gives us in this text an introduction, an explanation of what a parable is. Now, if you grew up in church and you speak fluent Christianese, as we call it around here, you understand and know what a parable is. Uh, however, verse 10 of this text, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. He said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So why? Verse 12 tells us. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. These parables or examples or maybe illustrations, whatever word that you want to use, were presented by Jesus in such a way that those who believed on him would understand the main truth that he was trying to communicate or convey, but those who did not believe would struggle to connect the dots. Those parables would honestly confuse them more than they would uh, help them. This is why that often the word parable is, is translated a hard saying. Not, not necessarily all the way to like a, a riddle, but it is, a, it is a, a difficult saying, especially in the Jewish culture. And this was not an attempt by Jesus to complicate things, but rather this was a way for Jesus to show others uh, who needed to believe that there was more for them to learn. There was more for them to understand. Listen, if you're not my disciple, if you've not made a decision to follow me, you're not going to understand these stories that I'm telling you. Does that make sense? So Jesus is saying this, basically the purpose of parables are twofold, to teach believers a main truth. I'm going to teach you about a, a, a sower and seed, and when I apply it, you're going to understand it. That's the first purpose of a parable or an example or an illustration. But the second purpose of a parable is to show those who don't yet believe in Jesus that, hey, listen, Jesus is saying things and it's not clicking with me. It doesn't register with me yet. So the second purpose is to in inform unbelievers that there was something more or something greater for them. So we understand. For believers, this was to further teach. For unbelievers, it was to kind of expose the fact that, hey, you don't believe yet. And so you're going to have a difficult time understanding what I'm saying or the other meaning behind it. It's with that basic understanding of parables that we jump into today's text and let's pray together heavenly father speak through your word god i pray that your word would shine through today god i have nothing to offer in and of myself in my flesh god i have nothing to offer but god i hide behind you today and i pray that your spirit would lead me and that i would say the things you would have said in jesus name we pray amen amen pedology pedology I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie i did not know what that word was until i started studying specifically for this sermon, okay? So I'm not a tenured studier of pedology. I can promise you that. Uh, but pedology is quite simply soil science. The science of the soil, okay? Uh, it, it focuses on understanding and characterizing soil forma formations, evolution, and the theoretical frameworks through which we understand a soil body often in the context of its natural environment. I hope that changed your life this morning, as it changed mine as I studied. But I know you find it hard to believe, and those who know me best really understand this. I have uh, a less than uh, excited interest in soil. I'm not a big landscaper. Um, neither is my wife. 
uh, can, we can testify to uh, how we don't like doing those types of things and we try to do as little as possible and still just get by uh, with landscaping. We don't, I have no idea what is best for this time of year and what is best for later in the year. I've got no idea. But this science of the soil, this pedology lesson today is super important. For this is the first major obvious parable or illustration or example in story form that Jesus shared. And I personally believe that this parable is key to all the other parables because this parable deals with how we receive the truth and the teaching of Jesus. And so the story started out with there was a sower who was sowing seed. As if you can imagine out here, we have ripped up some of our landscaping and, and then an excavator ripped up some of our other landscaping. And so we are, we are sowing seed. We're in the process of sowing seed. And so as you, as you can imagine, there was, uh, there was uh, dirt and there was different types of uh, things in that dirt. There were roots and in some areas were, had, had worse roots than others, right? And other areas, was a little, it was a little cleaner and a little easier. But there was a sower who was sowing seed. And the fact is that the seed, the truth, landed on different types of soil. And so this morning, let's see how... The soil pictures our hearts as we receive truth. Number one, let's see here in the text that the heart that does not believe rejects. The heart that just does not believe. You say, Josh, that sounds obvious. Well, let's look at the Bible. Let's let the Bible be obvious. Mark chapter 4, our text back in at verse 3. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. So that's the parable that Jesus told publicly. And the good thing about this parable, and maybe Jesus was really helping us out here, is that he told the parable, he explained to his followers what parables were, and then he comes and explains the parable, all in this text. So we get full Jesus right here. We get 100% Jesus. He tells the story in parable form, he explains to his followers, this is what a parable is. And then he comes back, beginning in verse 15 in the text, and he explains what he just said. So we understand, we will understand this parable because Jesus explains it. Verse 15 in the same, the same chapter. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Why didn't everyone who heard the truth of Jesus respond in faith? Why, I've asked myself that question as a, as a person who studies the Bible on a consistent basis. I've asked myself the question, how could you possibly live in that area of the world while Jesus was physically walking on the earth and he was performing miracles in front of your eyes, how could there be people who would see those things and experience those things and still not believe? Still not believe. If we want to take it all the way down, Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them did not believe. And a second one is known for his doubting. Thomas. So out of the 10 one did not believe, 
And another one doubted heavily all the way through. And then you have Peter, who's a whole other ball of wax. But why did everyone who heard the truth of Jesus, why did they not respond with faith? Why did so many seem to respond with, with, uh, by pushing him away, by rejecting him? Jesus deals with this, and he, he wants to show us that the nature of people's responses to the truth is directly tied to the nature of their hearts. Let me repeat it for you. Listen closely this morning. The, the nature of people's responses to the truth is directly tied to the nature of their hearts. Think about it this morning. Think about it. So we see simply this first heart this morning is the unbelieving heart. Listen, the truth is given, the seed is sown, it is thrown out there, but it lands on a completely unbelieving heart. This heart has been has been taken over by the father of lies, uh, de- the devil himself, and, and has, been, has been taken over. The truth is now being swallowed up by this unbelieving heart. This heart is so in tune with the forces of darkness, or this heart is so in tune with those that will be anti-Jesus that the truth never even penetrates the heart. They're so in tune with everything that is not Jesus that their heart cannot accept the truth, or I'm not going to say cannot accept the truth, their heart refuses to accept the truth. This heart is hardened to the point of automatically rejecting. This heart would be like taking grass seed and throwing it on concrete. What's going to happen to that grass seed? It's going to bounce, bounce, die. That's exactly what will happen when seed is sown on ground that is hardened. And today I pray that your heart is not here. I pray today when you hear truth, when you hear, when you hear uh, uh, the, the seed, when a seed is sown in your life, that your heart is not hardened to where it seems like every time that God tries to speak truth into your life, it just bounces right off and it never penetrates. It never uh, is taken in. And I pray this morning that that is not you, but I have to be honest, I don't know everyone in this room uh, on that deep of a level, Uh, but I pray this morning that it's not you. However, if it is, there's hope. But similar to what we studied last Sunday, the unpardonable sin, this heart, this unbelieving, hardened heart is treading on dangerous ground. Listen, if your heart this morning is hardened to where to where Jesus can't soften it, to where God doesn't soften it anymore with truth. You're just living in a very dangerous time of your life. You're living in a very dangerous point where truth is auto-rejected. And so we see that this first heart, it just does not believe. It's an unbelieving heart, period, and it rejects. But secondly, we see this, the heart that is shallow, it also rejects. Okay, the heart that is shallow rejects. Look in our text. We're back in our text. I apologize, guys. We're in, we're in the Bible this morning, and I apologize for reading so much scripture. I don't apologize. Mark chapter 4 and verse 5. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, 
it withered away. That's the parable that Jesus spoke. Remember, Jesus gave the parable, and in this text, he tells us what it means. Look down in verse 16 of the same chapter. He's going to explain this part. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. And so they only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. This heart is a little different, right? This heart is not the auto-rejecting heart. No, this is a shallow heart. This heart seems to be well-intended. This doesn't seem to be as, as the mind doesn't, the heart doesn't seem to already be made up, right? This heart has a chance. This heart readily agrees and hears the truth, but they have no foundation. They have no substance. They have no longevity. This is the heart that is so often moved by emotions. This heart is moved by emotional pulls, yet it so easily withers away at the first sign of persecution. It so easily withers away at the first sign of uh, of temptation or the first hard time that it has. This heart yet heard the truth, and that sounded really good. I mean, I'm so glad that I heard that. Oh, that's really good on Sunday morning. But by Monday morning, that heart has been completely changed again because a little tribulation came. As he says here, the sun came out. The next day happened, and the happenings of life killed that, whatever, whatever it was that the truth had done. This is, if I can be really honest with you this morning, this is the tearful person who emotionally responds, and oftentimes is the first to emotionally respond. Yet this person is so quickly brought back to their sinful ways after the first sign of temptation. This is the person who we say, hey, listen, we want to do this or we want to do that. And they're like, I'll be here. Uh, I can help. Can I come Thursday and help, right? And by Monday, they're off the, completely off the wagon again and you never hear from them. They're the person who hears, but there's no solid foundation. Their faith is so shallow that they hear the truth And then tomorrow happens, and they forget the truth. If I must say, this quite frankly is fake Christianity. It's shallow, and it has no depth nor maturity to it. I will close today's sermon, not right now, (laughs) with a little bit of an application. So let's hold hold our thought right there, and we'll come back. So first we had that unbelieving heart, right? The heart that does not believe, it rejects. And secondly, the second illustration that Jesus gives is the heart that is shallow. That heart rejects. Maybe it's an emotional heart. But thirdly, and probably most difficultly this morning, the heart that does not endure rejects. The heart that does not endure rejects. Now certainly not on the same timeline. You, understand, you see the timeline here, right? The first heart immediately rejects. The second heart is so shallow that the next day, according to this, very quickly it rejects. Let's look at what this heart does. Look at verse 7. 
Look in your, in your Bibles, look on the screen. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. He gives the explanation down in verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Admittedly, this morning, this is the most complex heart. This is the heart of partial commitment, which ends up over time turning into a heart of no commitment. This heart is divided. As the root of truth germinates, the thorns of this world begin to grow. And over time, the thorns of this world choke out the truth. I'm not here today to 100% tell you that this Text here is 100% speaking of people's salvation. I'm also not here today to tell you 110% sure that this text is not speaking directly to people's salvation. I'm here to tell you that as Jesus will do for the remainder of his earthly ministry, he often gives parables and truths and stories and truth that we can apply to ourselves as Christians and that we can also apply to those who are unbelievers or not yet believers. I believe this to be one. But this is the the fence rider. If I may, because I'm speaking to my my teenage self here, this is the Bible Belt Christian. This is the Sunday school attender. This is the Yeah, I grew up in church, but this is the this is the complex heart. I was recently uh, talking to someone who ended up uh, trusting in Jesus, and I looked at that person and I said, "Man, let me tell you what your biggest struggle is going to be." He said, "What?" I said, "You grew up in church. You grew up in church." Sometimes that can be so complex when, when, we, when we know the truth and for so long in our lives we've kind of like, oh yeah, 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 I know the truth. Yeah, I know the truth, but I've got my foot right over here, really strong. And I'm not going any further, all right? Um, I know my limits. Um, I've got my foot and it's dabbling over here, but I'm firmly planted right here. But I'm and I won't illustrate it, but about another six inches and we'd have some serious problems. At least I would. And you would too, let's be honest. Um, But can you see? How long can you do this? How far can you get stretched? How much can you straddle the fence? And this complex heart is trying to do the same. It's trying to let the truth spring up 
but it's allowing the thorns to spring up. And you say, Josh, can you, sp- can, you, can you really break it down with me and tell me exactly what all that implies? I, I honestly cannot. I can say this, that we're presenting the truth this morning as the Bible presents it, and I want the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart as the Holy Spirit would deal with your heart. I will close today with some practical applications, both to those who would claim to be believers in Jesus and those who might have some questions about their belief in Jesus. But this person in his, in this heart, and it's, and it's trying to walk two roads, and it's fence straddling. This is the heart that's similar to the young lady who was about to be engaged to be married. I don't know if you've heard of this young lady. By the way, Laura, Evan, back to church for the first time after getting married. Can we give it real quick? Sorry. Sorry, apologize, interrupt the sermon. But this young lady here, she was about to get engaged to be married, and her boyfriend says, darling, I want you to know that I love you more than anything else in the world. I want you to marry me. Now, I'm not rich. I don't have a yacht or a Rolls Royce like Johnny Brown does. But I do love you with all my heart. So the young lady thought for a moment, and she replied, I love you with all my heart, too, but would you mind telling me a little bit more about this Johnny Brown guy? (laughs) So this is the heart of true intentions, but this is also a heart that does not endure. There's not a level of commitment, or may we just call it a maturity, that is necessary to endure the hard times. John chapter 8 and verse 31 reminded me of this text. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide, that word abide, and that's why we put it up as continue. It's literally what the word means. If you abide in my word, if you soak in, if you continue, if you endure in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Therefore, those in this category, when it's all said and done, would not truly be committed disciples of Jesus. They've gotten distracted over time by the things of this world, worry and wealth and wavering. And here's a sad statement. Over time, we learn that this heart values their cravings over the Creator. Let that sink in this morning. This heart, over time, this heart values their cravings over the creator. And this is why this heart is the most complex heart. This is why this is, there's not a more complex heart. Because I think we all can see ourselves in this heart, if we're honest. I think we can all say, I find myself in my flesh sometimes valuing my appetites and my cravings and what I need more than I value the one who created me. I believe if we all in here could be completely honest and if this were one big connect group and we could all share this morning, I believe every single one of us would say, Josh, I get uncomfortable when you talk about that specific heart. Because I I may know that I know that I know that I know that I believe in Jesus. But I find myself in that struggle, in that rub, with that friction. 
And may I say this morning, if you find yourself there, that you are among friends, you actually are at a church this morning whose pastor finds himself there, oftentimes. And so it's okay. But I want to preach the truth this morning. I need to hear it, and so do you. So we've seen three hearts. We've seen the heart that does not believe. It automatically rejects. Truth is given, just like seed on concrete. It bounces off, and it's done. The second heart, the heart that is shallow, it rejects. It emotionally maybe receives the truth for a very, very, very brief amount of time, but they jump so high up for the truth that when they come down, they crash. Thirdly, we just saw the most complex heart, the the heart that does not endure. It rejects. But here's the goal this morning. Here's the, the fourth heart is the heart that is ready, receives. The heart that is ready, it receives. Look at verse 8 in our text, Mark chapter 4, verse 8. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. What does this, what is the explanation? Jesus gives it down in verse 20. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. This heart is ready. This heart is accepting. This heart is receptive. This is the heart that we've been waiting for. This is the heart that Jesus wants. Remember, Jesus told this parable in order for his followers to understand something. And it was simply this. A receptive heart eagerly receives the truth. And as a result, becomes a fruitful heart. So a receptive heart receives the truth and in turn becomes a fruitful, thriving heart. This is the heart that we all want. Trials and tribulations, they may bog this heart down, but those trials and tribulations do not ultimately deter them. They are not distracted by the pleasures of this world. Their hearts are fixed. Their foundation is sure. Their spirit is humble. Their life is fruitful. This is the abundant Christian living an abundant Christian life. That is this heart. When the truth comes, they crave it. When the truth hurts, they still crave it. They may not enjoy it as much. But when the truth hurts, they receive it. When the truth makes them worship and praise, they worship and praise. When the truth makes them bow and repent, they bow and they repent. This is the heart that is receptive. When we did the upgrading outside of the, uh, the different plants and took out old and shrubs and all the landscaping, we took some of them out 
We put new stuff in. We believe that the current landscaping had been there for over 40 years. And the root system showed it. And anybody that was here that day and helped, the root system showed it. I think if we would have really tried, we could have pulled up the sidewalk with the root system that was there. So guess what had to be done before this little patch, when you walk out this door, right there to your left, there's a little patch of grass growing. You know what had to be done to that heart, to that soil? Some things had to be taken out of it. A lot of things. Some big things. And then some other things that were in there, we had to get a tiller on steroids. Thank you, Shane. Uh, let us use his tiller on steroids. And it cut up and chopped up. Dan had to run it a little bit. Chopped it up and threw some stuff out and, and Aaron was running it in the mud and it was chopping it up and it was throwing stuff out. And it was removing the things from this heart, this receptive soil. There had to be things that were taken out of it. There had to be things that were removed from it in order for it to be able to receive the seed that was sown. In order for it to be a fruitful patch of area now that has grass growing in it, the soil had to be receptive. John chapter 15 and verse 5 says it like this, I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. He who abides, you remember what that word means? Continues. He who abides, he who abides, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. This is the abiding heart, the continuing heart, the heart committed to Jesus. This is the heart, the branch that is firmly connected to the vine. This heart craves the truth. This heart changes when confronted with the truth. This heart is moldable like Plato. This heart is moldable. This heart can be taken and can be used for a variety of different things by the one who holds it in his hand. May I say in closing this morning that Christianity is fundamentally a belief system based upon the word, truth, we believe, and how it's received. That's really what, you know, in a nutshell, that is what Christianity is. We have a, a book that we believe to be the word of God, and there are truths presented in that book, and everything that we believe hinges on how that truth is received. And it's very important this morning. First, I want to apply this parable to those who would claim to be followers of Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I want us to understand a couple of things in closing that we can take and that we can use in our lives. If our hearts begin to harden in any way that, that would resist the truth, may we repent. I used the illustration just a minute ago of Plato. How many of you got kids that are in Plato time? There we go. Anybody? Just Brian? All right, we got some more. Okay, cool. We got, we got uh, 
Play-Doh kids. Man, my kids are 10 and 12. I'd still think they'd still be Play-Doh kids. You know, they don't mind it. Um, Play-Doh. What happens to Play-Doh if it's not properly taken care of? Children's pastor. Hardens, right? And all you have to do for Play-Doh to be ruined is leave the cap off and not seal it up. You see, our hearts, all it takes is just a little bit of fill in the blank. For our hearts that were once moldable to now start to harden. It just takes a little bit of bitterness. It just takes a little bit of, I left my heart unguarded, and I listened to that gossip, and I listened to that negativity, and I'm now allowing it to affect me. For that Play-Doh to start hardening up. And may I say this morning, if you find yourself in that point in your life that you you feel like you're a little bit more hardened than you used to be, not in a good way, but a little bit more hardened, your heart is not as soft as it used to be. The music doesn't quite move you like it used to move you. The preaching of God's word just goes in one ear and out the other. The, 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 The interactions and friendships you have of good, strong Christian believers just isn't what it used to be. If you find yourself in that spot, May I beg you that while, while things are, are, are while you're still listening to the truth and still receiving the truth, may I beg you to repent of that hardness and ask God to soften your heart. Just simply, God, I want my heart to be such that when you speak to me, I'm ready. I'm listening. How do we do that? This is the second application for those who are followers of Jesus. It's the last one. We must intentionally fertilize and water our hearts with the Holy Spirit and the Word. Listen this morning, there is no substitute. If we want our hearts to stay accessible to the truth, we want our hearts to stay softened toward the truth, we must have a steady diet of God's Word and God's Spirit. We must walk with him. We must communicate with him. In fact, if you're a part of connect groups, uh, may I say that connect groups are hitting on this uh, over the next six weeks. But the fact is this, we must keep ourselves in tune with God and we can do so through his word. We can do so through his spirit. You said, Josh, that's too simple. It, It may sound simple. Just try it. Your flesh is very powerful. Your, your work schedule and all your family schedule and all your parenting schedule is very powerful. And so oftentimes we can look back and say, I can't remember the last time that I sat down and let God's word speak to me. I can't remember the last time that God's spirit spoke to me evidently. Christians, we must repent when we feel like we become resistant. And we must intentionally fertilize with God's word and with God's spirit. And then lastly, if you're here today and you say, Josh, I'm not sure about Jesus. I'm not sure about my relationship with Jesus. By the way, if that's you this morning, you are among friends. I was was raised in church as a pastor's son and for 19 years, that was me. I want to apply this to you this morning in three simple statements. Following Jesus is not a fence to be ridden. 
I'll leave it at that for the most part. Following Jesus is not something you try. Following Jesus is not something that you dabble in. Following Jesus is not something that you give a shot. It's not a fence to be ridden. Jesus and following him, it requires a soft heart, a receptive heart that just says yes. A repentant heart that just says yes. Secondly, I believe what we learned here today is that genuine faith is not void of struggles, but genuine faith possesses endurance. Genuine faith is not void of troubles and struggles, but genuine faith possesses endurance. When the roots of the thorns of this world rise up, their faith is firm enough to withstand. When the sun comes out in scorching heat and there's no rain and a lot of things dry up around them, they have an enduring factor about them. And then thirdly, may I ask you today if you have questions about Jesus and your relationship with him, if you're not sure that you have a real personal relationship with Jesus, if you have questions about it, may I encourage you today just as that dirt needs to be tilled up, maybe there needs to be some fresh soil put on top of it. Maybe some of that clay needs to get removed. Maybe some of those rocks need to take. May I, may I encourage you today lovingly to receive the truth this morning? Receive the truth. You say, what do you mean this illustration was just talking, just, it just mentioned seed and it mentioned truth, okay? Here's what it means to you today if you don't know Jesus. The truth is, if you don't know Jesus, from what the Bible says, is you are now walking in this world as someone with no hope. If you don't have Jesus. That's what the Bible says, not what I say. But you're walking as one with no hope. And truthfully, in our sin, and my sin for 19 years before I came to Christ, and my sin, in your sin... Listen, we fall short every time. For all have sinned and come short. For all have sinned and come short. And no matter how hard we try in our sin, we come short. It's like me trying to touch the backboard, right? <laughs> I fall short every time. I fall short. I fall short. And I fall short. I fall short. No matter how hard I try, I fall short. Because we've sinned, there's a price. Romans 6.23 says, there's a penalty for sin. There's a payment for sin. There's a wage that must be collected for sin. And the wage of sin, the wages of sin is, is death. It was physical for sure back in Adam and Eve's day. That was the beginning of physical death, but it was also the beginning of spiritual death. The relationship with God, there was now a buffer. There was now a wall built up. And may I say this, if you die in your sin, there will be an internal wall that's built up between you and your creator. That you cannot break through. You'll spend your eternity apart from God. The Bible says in a place called hell. I don't like to talk about that. But it's the truth. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't live good enough to get it. You can't give enough money. You can't come to church enough. It's a gift. But that gift of God, it's eternal. When you have it, you can't lose it. From the day you receive it until forever. It's an eternal work. And it's life and it's through Jesus. It's through him alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the door. Any, any who will enter in must enter through me. This morning, I ask you, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a real relationship with Jesus this morning, I ask you, will you receive this truth as that fourth heart? I'll receive it. I'll, I will be like that Play-Doh, and I'll receive it. I won't be like the concrete and let the truth bounce off. No, I, I want to receive it. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.